From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing pretty okay. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Uh, a real busy week since uh, we last spoke. Yeah, you've so. been you've been uh, I don't it's you're not a world class traveler, but you were a, a world state traveler. Yes, yes, I'm <laughs> up up and down the state. Yeah, yeah I was uh, at a week ago. You know, on Wednesday, Thursday, I was at the Walt Disney Family Museum to see the ex- exhibition uh, Mickey Mouse from Walt to the World. And, of course, the curator is Disney animator Andrea Steja. And I first I went to the press preview, and that was cool because Andreas took us, and there weren't that many people there, surprisingly, although some joined late. But Andreas took us around on a personal tour of the mm. whole exhibition. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, and he told us special. stories about the animators and uh, the drawings and, the, you know, Mickey and, you know, this era of what was going on at Disney Studio and how Mickey was rendered and, and all this. I mean, and how it impacted him and affected his career. I mean, it was really fascinating. And, I'm, and I know that elements of that will make it into you know our shows as we continue our series on mickey mouse he's into his interest is in the line drawings of the animators because he likes to see their craft and how they work things and so there's it's heavy on that so if you're really interested in the craft and the art of animation and seeing those original drawings, there's a lot of that in there. And then there's, uh, a, there's, there's original cells from like 1930s, you know, in there, which is yeah. amazing when you think of how fragile they are. Wow. And, you know, all black and white. You know, and all that. And, uh, and, you know, and, and it just progressed through, you know, every era of Mickey, highlighting how he was drawn, highlighting the animators, highlighting his career at that time. Again, with cells and original art, there's interactive um, kiosks where, like, you can, you can watch their um, sort of like their storyboards you know, and their tests, their pencil tests for some of the scenes. You can watch those, how those are drawn, and you can really, you know, really do close-ups on them and, and slow them down, you know, things like that. And then there's a whole thing, although they've they turned up the audio, so I'm going to have to do this again because I spent an hour listening. There's these kiosks where Disney animator Eric Goldberg and Andreas Deja are um, – 
highlighting clips from different um, Mickey Mouse shorts through the years and films, and then they're talking about it as if they're you're just sitting there with them. You know these segments and why they're interesting or important. Yeah. And but the problem is that I did that the first day of the exhibit, and they hadn't adjusted for what it would sound like when there were actually people in the museum. And so um, you couldn't hear it when there were. So apparently (sighs) when I mentioned it to them on day two and I went back, they said, yeah, we've heard that from a lot of people and and we're adjusting the sound. So um, anyway, so that was wonderful. And then the second floor is Disney and the theme parks, Disney and fine art. And they had two artists there to talk about their pieces and um, one of them it's like 10 and 10 and 10 i i forget the artist's name i'll have to look it up and then it was the man whose mural i talked about um in an earlier episode that is it's all black and white and it's mickey through the um all around a rendering of San Francisco, Mickey in his various forms, and then there's oh, there's like twelve hidden Mickeys in there, and you know Steamboat Willie's going under the Golden Gate Bridge, although the Golden Gate Bridge and the Bay Bridge are in the wrong positions, and it's really a cool um, mural, and I wish um I hope they're going to sell prints of it, and. Anyway, so it was great. It was yeah. really good. It was really well done. And so then the next day, um, you know, friends of ours are visiting. And so the next day I went back with them and I could really take my time in the exhibit. And there, but they also had the member preview that evening that was hosted by Andreas Deja. So they, the, the press preview and the member preview sort of bled into each other because after Andreas um, led us around for, and that was like an hour, yeah. we could then spend time just on our own. So then I went back and, and, oh, and you could take photos of anything in there. That was one of the agreements that the Walt Disney Family Museum made this go round. Because like with the nine old men, you couldn't photograph anything. With this one, they insisted whatever's in there has to be able to be photographed. Yeah. So um, so that's cool. And then they allowed us to stay for as long as we wanted because the members preview, they were seeing the exhibit first and then going to hear Andreas speak in the theater in the main museum. And, and what he spoke on was interesting because it was on the pieces that could not be included because just for space. And and so he showed those, um, you know, displayed those, and then talked about their importance yeah. in Mickey's history and all that. So it was a very different speech, you know, a presentation, and so it was great. And I but on I bumped into a listener, uh, Jessica, and who <laughs> when she saw me, she was very excited, and she said how. Uh, she was hoping she would see me since it was preview day. And, and it's funny, this is the first preview day I've ever been to at the museum. And, and I don't know who she was with. And she said, oh, is this the person you've been talking about? And, uh, <laughs> and but, but Craig, we are immortalized in the halls of higher education because uh, Jessica had finished a paper 
for a college course on um, Disney in pop culture. I thought, oh my gosh, she could probably write volumes on it. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, well, this exhibition, that whole second floor, I said, really would have been helpful. She said, yes, I wish the exhibition had opened before I wrote my paper. But she said that she cited connecting with Walt in her bibliography for her papers. That's a big honor. Wow, that's... It is a big honor. So thank you, Jessica. That was very nice. So, uh, we'll, so I'll definitely be talking more about the exhibition in presentations and all, and um, and then I'll be posting photos also on on my Facebook page, my Connecting with Walt Facebook page, and also on our official Twitter page at Connecting Walt. So keep an eye out for that. And um, and then, of course, we had con- that weekend, then we had Connecting with Walt Day and the Waltland bus tour with Bob Gurr. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Saturday, I went to Disneyland. I-, I got up at some unholy hour for my 6 a.m. flight um, down there, and I stayed at the Disneyland Hotel. So when I checked in, I was greeted by a listener who works at the front desk at the Disneyland hmm. Hotel. She was just so pleasant and smiling. I was wearing my Connecting with Walt sweatshirt, and she said, are, are you the host of that show? And I said, yes, I am. I'm Michael Bowling, because I thought, well, they needed to know my name anyway. And, and she said, well, I'm a big fan of the show and all that. And she was very sweet. She wasn't assisting me, but someone else was. And even before I, we had that conversation, the, the cast member helping me check in said oh well you've been upgraded so i've never been upgraded so it's everyone's dream but i know that ever happen <laughs> i know i had this beautiful room uh in the adventure tower on the ninth floor it was a corner room so and it looked at the swimming pool you know the monorail pool and then also the other tower and downtown Disney, since there was a little side window. And it was very, very nice. But, uh, but um, yeah, but our, our listener at the front desk was great. Um, I love the Disneyland Hotel, even though, yeah. as I told him, and I check out, even though, yeah, I'm a DVC member, at, you know, at the Grand Californian, I, I much prefer the Disneyland Hotel. So it's just for its history, of course, but it's just there's a feel to it that is unique to that hotel. A hundred percent agree. So it's yeah. I, and I, yeah, I prefer I, the rooms too. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. I mean, I know the the new rooms at the Grand Californian definitely are brighter, and they they have a new warmth mm-hmm. about them and such. But uh, ultimately, I. You know, it's with the exception of the rooms. I think in Fantasy Tower, uh, those mm-hmm. are those are slightly smaller. I mean, the Adventure Tower and Frontier Tower, the rooms are are just beautiful sized. Um, yeah, this is a a large room. It's yeah. very spacious. It, yeah, and so I I love the size of it. I, I know they're definitely in need of a of a refurb. Some of them are are looking a little rattier than mm-hmm. others, but. Ultimately, it's like it's the color designs I like. I 
I enjoy all the music loops around the area. I, I love when you have a pole view room and and you get to look out the window and you see all the tiki oh, torches around yeah. from Trader Sam's. And when the pole's not the, the when the slide's not under construction, seeing that mm-hmm. all lit up, it's just oh, it's beautiful at it's night. It's a special place. Lit up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think I was in one of the refurbished rooms because it was just really well appointed, nice colors, um, very clean. It was great, mm, good. And and the exciting thing at we were there when they started unveiling the new uh, Sleeping Beauty Castle, um, you know, paint um, scheme. Yes, and yes. I it takes a little getting used to because it's much you know we're used to the Sleeping Beauty Castle of you know. Of very subdued pastels. This is very bold and bright. The photos, I don't think, do it justice in the in sense of how bold the colors are. And the gold, there's a lot of inlaid gold in the roof tiles and things that just, uh, the photos I've seen right now don't really seem to capture it. And I but the it grew on me. I really liked it. Uh, there's you know there's there's subtle shade differences. Like I think the main turret or spire is sort of a a, a, a lavender sort of color, and I just feel that gives the castle more depth, especially in photographs. I feel this was a color scheme designed for photos. And it also really pops against the blue sky or the gray sky or the sunny sky, whereas I think the pastel-colored castle could sometimes feel a little washed out in some mm-hmm. of those, in in some of the um, weather. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, but you definitely notice it. And but the the lighting at night I thought was absolutely beautiful. Now, if there's any special effects on the castle, I think I've read that somewhere where there are some special effects built into it. Uh, those were not yet turned on, if there are. But the, I love the lighting at night with these blues and lavenders and things like that. I just thought it was gorgeous. Yeah, I, and, I mean, we and we all know if you've been to Disneyland during the nighttime. Uh, it just it has this different feel to it than it mm-hmm. does during the daytime, and and the castle's a big aspect of it. I mean, I think Main Street is is the biggest uh, the biggest portion of it, but you know, it's a castle's just essentially an extension of of it as well. And uh, yeah, it's I I love Disneyland at night. I can't wait to see the new paint job during the day and and at night. I'm very very excited for it. Yeah, I'll be I'll be looking forward to hearing what you think about it. So, but anyway, and then of course we had you know actual connecting with Walt. Day. Oh, I spent the day with our friends Alex and Patty on at Disneyland and Tom Bell from our Disneyland show. My my old um, my old boss yeah. on the Disneyland show. He showed up and we hung out together, which is a lot of fun. Ate at the Lamplight Lounge, and was I that your really. First time? It was. I really liked it. Good. I, I liked the food, and the service was great. We 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 had a server Andrew who just um, you could ask him anything, and he would um, he he would talk about it <laughs> in great detail. So he was he was a delight. So um, yeah, I would go back. I would definitely eat there again. I want to try other things on the menu. Yeah, it's so. uh, it's I uh, I enjoyed it. Um, the the first time I ate there with with Kylie, uh, I I got a 
good amount of drinks that I, that I wanted to try. And uh, in terms of the food, we, we had to be a little bit more particular with her shellfish allergy and peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, barriers with that, but mm-hmm. um, it's uh, I I was pleasantly surprised. And I, I anytime I have the chance to sit downstairs and you know in the actual the portion uh, that is the restaurant, I. I would be more than happy to if if I have to settle by sitting upstairs at at Cove Bar essentially. I, I forget if we're calling it something special now too, but it's still Cove Bar. Um, it, it, I, I also enjoy that too. So it's just I, I think it is. It was a great refreshing of the space mm-hmm. overall for yeah. me. Oh, all the details, boy! It, it, Pixar fans, you've got to eat in the Lamplight Lounge. Yeah, and I mean, there's just so many cute little things the movies including a few things you have to think about because uh, anything i had to think about andrew told me what it was so which was great because that's the kind of stuff i like and he gave me a full set of the coasters nice yeah <laughs> yeah no nice. it's uh i will say that it's it's amazing to see uh how disneyland takes a concept and they're willing to like put their all into it and you know it, it walt disney world with with when we are ready to get rid of Pizza Planet and really invest on the Muppets in a restaurant, uh, we we got Pizza Rizzo. So uh, there you go. Also an achievement <laughs> in uh, dining establishment. So pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day it rained and it was connecting with Walt Day on the Bob Gers um, Waltland Buster. Had a great time though. I mean, a lot of fun. A lot of listeners were there. I you know, folks. When you're there at an event, don't be shy to come up and say hello. It's why we do things, because we want to meet you. You know, because Craig and I sit here at our microphones, and, and we're, you know, we're, we know there's people at the other end, a lot of people, according to our numbers, at the other end, but... We like to be able to, in our heads, associate faces, knowing that, you know, Alex and Patty and Chris and Dave and Donna and Jessica and all these other folks I met over the weekend. And I, I'm sorry, I forget names, but some are cast members. I'm not sure if I should say their names. Um, were, you know, we like to imagine, hey, I know who I'm talking to. And when you're too shy to come up, you sort of rob us of that. And you know what? We're not all that big deals. I mean, really. You know, it's not like we're Sonny and Cher. I don't, I don't know. Who's yeah. a big deal these days? Uh, I mean, Not us. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's not like we're that caliber. We're just folks who, you know, Pete was nice enough to give us a platform to talk about Disney history. And so come on up and say hello. That's we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. I, I heard some very sweet stories about what the show m- means to people or how we help them get through a difficult event in their life. And I'm not I don't want to share the stories because they didn't I didn't ask if I could. So I want to, you know, but some people have been through some situations where um, listening to our stories really helped them. And that just means so much to us. And and it makes both of us realize what a privilege this is to be able to share stories with you. And, th- and that's why we like to meet you. So there were people that never came up 
to me Mm -hmm. and said hello. I mean, like, with Donna, I happened to notice her connecting with Walt's shirt that was – because her jacket, because it was cold and rainy, was partially unzipped. So I had to approach her, you know, and – you know, so so you know, don't don't be shy. So um, yep. anyway, uh, I concur. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. You know, seeing Walt and Roy's first house that they you know got built from a kit, and I always thought they were mirror images, but they were different. And Roy's slightly, and Roy's was larger. Oh, and and I, somebody looked them up on Zillow or something, and they they're around a million dollars each, which actually oh. I think is pretty reasonable in California in that area. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, still, it's but they're small houses. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think Walt, Walt's wasn't even eleven hundred square feet, <sighs> and Roy's was not quite twelve hundred square feet. Yeah. But back in the day, that was a big house. You know, yeah, yeah, no, I guess, I guess that is true. Yeah. For for you know, middle class, that was a big house. Yeah, yeah. so uh, and it still is for some people and, out there. And then <laughs> it absolutely it is, and and so anyway, so yeah, so we drove around and listened to Bob's stories and his own personal stories because he grew up all in that same area. So it it was just a tremendous amount of fun. It was great to to ride the. Griffith Park Carousel, and I always love going to Walt's Barn, and the, the docents were all there, and sharing their stories. I got to share. That's where I sort of talked to people about a little of what I knew, and so because I wasn't, there was no way I was going to, you know, <laughs> start speaking over Bob, and so, but it, but and actually, I think I got a few new listeners as a result because they enjoyed what i was talking about and they asked for my card and everything so so if that's you say you know hello welcome but anyway so and then afterwards a whole bunch of us oh because mary joe and tom you know from the disneyland show were there and then afterwards we met up with nancy johnson from our disneyland show and her family for um for dinner before we all flew out our separate ways and all that. And Bob's book, because I've been getting messages and emails about it because people can't find it on Facebook, on Facebook, on Amazon. That's because it's not available yet. But the book is called Bob Gurr, Legendary Imagineer, Life and Times, Disney and Beyond. And it's going to become available I be- on Amazon, I believe he said, the first week of June. And it's going to be like twenty one ninety five plus shipping or something. So anyway, we got it for a flat twenty dollars at the museum at the you know at the event. And then it's also on sale at Walt's Barn because he uh, delivered a, some boxes of the books there. So anyway, so that yeah, so that's it. So it was a lot of fun. So Craig, when you come out again, we'll have to do this again. Yes. Go yes. on it together. Third week, third Sunday on most months that Bob is not on vacation. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, and uh, oh, and finally, uh, did you, have you gotten your tickets or or press preview or whatever for Aladdin the film? I, I do. I I have my tickets for Saturday morning. So okay. as long as I'm I going- don't cancel them. <laughs> I'm going Friday evening. I saw the preview at Disneyland. It looks very lavish. And I don't know if this is a, 
a, a slavish retelling or if like Jungle Book, they, you know, go off a little. But um, I thought, oh, you know, we're recording, as we've mentioned before, we record on Tuesday evenings. Um, I thought, oh, I better get my ticket because the way they're pushing this, the, it, promoting it, at least up here, it sounds like this is going to be a big deal. Of course, we thought that with Dumbo. Yeah. And um, so I went on and I thought, oh, I'm going to see it in IMAX and you know get my little senior citizens discount. So I go on this morning and go to buy the ticket and i say well you know i'm just getting one ticket so usually i can find a seat somewhere i go in and i'm thinking oh my gosh are there only five seats left wow and these are pretty good seats i realized no only five seats have been purchased uh-huh. and i thought this does not bode well <laughs> yeah that's tough For um... friday at 7 30 p.m and I started poking around, and there's, you know, at other times, I thought, this is nowhere near a sellout yet as of Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? Now, maybe it's because it's a long weekend and people are going away, but I don't know. <laughs> and that's that's tough. I mean, for, for us, it's different because uh, we, I mean, I, I try to see everything in Dolby that I can and mm-hmm. uh so obviously the closest one for me is is Disney Springs and for anything Disney related yeah it's it's gone immediately yeah. uh it's in I I'm an A-lister so not only I you know I I could buy tickets as soon as they come out but I want to use the I want to use the service that I pay for but I need to you know I have to then manage my reservations and so like when the aladdin ones went on sale i was i had to actually drop a reservation for something else in order to pick up the aladdin reservation and then i was Hmm. constantly like having to stress about the fact that i only had one reservation to to mess around with and uh the the problems us privileged people have in the world right now i know well here Um, (laughs) no one wants to see the film and i don't i don't know if you're all hearing this but we have a thunderstorm moving in here and the hail just started (laughs) anyway winter has returned to um northern california but anyway but yeah so i'm looking forward to seeing it so next time we'll have to talk about it yes so anyway but Oh, and speaking of uh, next time, we mentioned last week that there's a possibility that, possibility that from May 31st we would not have a show. And we, we are definitely confirming that we are not having a show Yes, um, May 31st because uh, travel, um, Craig, you're going to be actually in my kingdom for yes. the preview of Galaxy's Edge. So you are going to be one busy boy. Yes, I will. Uh, we we usually have an open availability on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and worst case scenarios on Thursdays uh, to to record the show. And Tuesdays, I'll be on Tuesday. I'll be traveling, and then in a whirlwind of trying to get some work done and and get ready for then on Wednesday when I'm going to be busy literally the entire day with Galaxy's Edge. And as well as Thursday, so um, it's it, it's going to be pure insanity for me. So unfortunately, just as it comes down to it, uh, we won't we won't be able to to get 
that uh, show out on Ready for Friday. So we'll be back the next week, though. Oh yeah, Don't absolutely. Worry. With even more, even more stories. Yeah. So and and but keep an eye out for all of Greg's reports. Yeah. On Galaxy's Edge, I am really looking forward to it. We're looking forward to your reports. I'm not looking forward so much to Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. <laughs> that seems to be the consensus. As I hung out at Disneyland on Saturday, just chatting with folks, I couldn't find anybody that was overly excited about it opening at Disneyland. You know, they would have been fine if it opened at a third gate, like yeah. across the street. But in the park, people are um, very worried. Yeah. So. Hopefully, anyway. everyone ends up being pleasantly surprised. Then take it from I, there. I, if they can manage the crowds in the park itself, the rest of Disneyland, um, I think folks will be okay with it. Yeah. So, anyway. For three weeks now, we have been celebrating our 100th episode in fine Disney tradition, you know, a a lengthy celebration. Um, And we've been doing it with Disney legend and Imagineer Bob Gurr answering your questions. We've been getting a lot of positive responses from you on, on these episodes. Well, Bob returns one more time this week to answer more of your questions. So let's, let's see, does Listen, and if Bob answers your questions this week. Now, you know, I have a question for you about autonomous cars. We talked, you know, earlier about one of the reasons folks like Autopia so much is because they're in control. Do you think Americans would be willing to give up control of their vehicles for an autonomous vehicle? Oh, this is uh, right now. This is the uh, the red hot issue because there's there's a number of forces at work. There's a number of automobile companies that see that this might be the wave of the future. There's another another bunch of people saying, for an automobile to work in America with all of the environmental factors, the technology and the sensors and the lidar and the radar and high speed uh, chip processing. All of that, um, it's, we've got a longer ways to go than people think. Yesterday, Elon Musk announced that he's got a, a new chip that he that he puts in his car instead of buying them from uh, Nvidia, which he's been been using. And he says he, he can retrofit the cars um, out of the cloud um, overnight into your uh, your Tesla that you already got. As they they can then put this new chip in the car for five thousand dollars naturally, <laughs> uh, and it will do all these things. And other companies uh, are been working on automatic uh, autonomous vehicles. They are the more they learn, the more they're finding how much they can't do. And Wymo is the only company that's gotten far enough ahead, uh, and they've been working at this forever. And there's still so many limitations of how to get a car to do something technologically on its own that a reasonably intelligent human can beat them at it and do it every minute of every day and every part of America. I am fascinated by this whole thing. Yeah. And that's interesting because that, that is an angle that doesn't get a lot of publicity when they talk about autonomous cars. Well, here, here's the thing. It is so easy to do, um, hypothetical talking and get all excited 
But then you've got to draw the curtain back and go talk to the people that are actually working the hardware and the software and say, how far are you really getting? And that's where the difference between excited hype that's in the news every day and the realities of stuff and parts and software that actually have to do the job. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm saying that is, I, as you know, my history was something where it said, Walt wants this and it's glorious sounding and he has people do it. And in my case, I was able to do it, but stay on the conservative side and not try to do stuff where I, I, I promised the future, but I still got it done anyway. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking about cars, Brian asks a question. What is your favorite car from a design aspect? Well, that question is so wide open. I'm not sure I know how to uh, answer that. When you say from a design aspect, there is such a range of vehicles for so many different purposes, all changing very, very rapidly. We've left a period of where cars were, some of them are very beautiful. Mm -hmm. We've reached a period now where cars have so many federal requirements of what components have to go where, uh, particularly the new uh, pedestrian impact safety uh, for the front ends of cars. And we now have a shift when nobody wants a sedan, they all want uh, SUVs and CUVs. Uh, to the point where the Ford Motor Company now is no longer going to build any more sedans. It's going to be trucks and SUVs. Uh, These are big, big risky areas. So we're in a weird spot of people need a car for a specific purpose, and they don't look at cars emotionally like they used to. You know, it used to be, you know, 40, 50 years ago, oh, look at this brand new Pontiac. Oh, I got to have it, you know. You know, even though it might not have been any good. People don't buy a car from passion anymore. They buy it from a necessity or a response to marketing. So it's a very, very weird thing. And out of that whole mishmash, I looked at, I've looked at every uh, 2020 car, uh, every one of them that are coming out, there isn't a good-looking car in any of them. None. The majority are new SUVs, CUVs, uh, or or variations of it, and because they have to meet all these rules, um, and the stylists are completely out of ideas. It seems I'm I'm for 2020. I'm looking at the ugliest batch of cars in my entire lifetime, so I I cannot give a design answer. I know even like some of the new Jaguars and all that, they're so. Beige. I mean, you know, they're so vanilla. They're, you don't even know they're a Jaguar, you know, anymore. Uh, also, at the same time, you got to you got to remember how many young people uh, are not getting driver's ed because the schools don't teach it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it costs probably a thousand dollars to uh, be trained to get a driver's license, and no no kid wants to spend that money. Uh, there's more money. To, there's more things to spend your money on. You know, Instagram and clothes and movies and entertainment and theme parks. Uh, And there's Uber and Lyft, obviously. And then, of course, your friends. Uh, A lot of the automobile companies uh, can see the future coming in which 
We have only older drivers. The younger people are being less and less interested in ever driving or ever owning a car. That's very true. And they're looking into, um, you know, where people are basically going to lease their cars. And then for, you know, whatever the purpose is, they're going to have almost like these um, subscriptions where they can just, um, you know, request a car, you know, whatever model they need for whatever that purpose is. So rather than owning a car. Yeah, uh, uh, in certain parts of the world, uh, uh, Volvo does that now. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. That whole area, to me, is so utterly, totally fascinating, and I study all of it with a passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, you're right. I remember even when I was a boy, there was a, a romanticism attached to a car, and that's that's gone now. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be when uh, new cars came out. They came out like uh, September, and within a two- or three-week period, you'd have um, all the new cars show up, and you'd go to the the, the, the car dealer, and they put um, uh, paper on the window so you, you couldn't see, and then the cars would all show up with great big floodlights in the sky at night. Now they show uh, pictures of the coming cars of maybe a year and a half, before they're ever going to build them. Yeah. So, in other words, um, we we don't have the um, you know the the passion, the excitement of an opening night. Uh, new cars show up whenever they show up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The whole mystique and flair is gone. Yeah, from it. Okay. Well, I was going to ask one, kind of going a little off that. This one comes from Becky. So clearly, you have stress the point that you are keeping up with uh, not only the automotive industry, but as well as uh, everything happening with engineering right now. And there's a lot of innovation. Um, So Becky wants to know, who do you think is innovating in the same way that Walt was innovating right now, but today? Oh, there are so many. There are so many uh, people in so many directions and so many trades and industries it's it's almost impossible to keep up with. It's almost as if uh, the idea that as um, time moves forward, time itself speeds up. Uh, there's so many uh, brilliant minds working at everything, particularly even something simple as software applications. Something think ten years ago, there was a thing just starting called Facebook. There was a thing just starting called Amazon. On and on and on. Stop and think how much has happened just in 10 years compared to the previous 10 years. And by now, these names that I've mentioned, these are things that are an integral part of everyone's life. And it only happens so fast. And everything that's, that's changing and getting better and better and better is changing at a faster rate. It's totally fascinating. And there's so many people involved with ideas. So do you think it's it's more of back when Walt was around that, uh, you know, now, I, obviously, as Disney fans, we hold him on a higher pedestal. But do you think it's, it's just as genuinely back in his day, a lot of the stuff that that we love really was innovating and he was way ahead of his time. And nowadays it's just it's it's a normal thing that people 
all around the world are innovating at such a crazy level or mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I know that's kind of confusing just, the way I'm seeing. I hope no. you No, no, no. You just described it absolutely perfectly. Walt was sort of um the, the very, very visible leader in some new thinking um, in, in many different directions on everything that he did. And then by the time he gets ready to do this idea of this crazy new thing called Disneyland, um, he just, you know, broke out of the box at, at such a high speed uh, that people really remember that very, very strongly. And now we have so many people uh, making advances in their own, in their own uh, areas uh, just as fast, and we we just take that now as sort of well, isn't everybody supposed to be smart and inventing everything and going as fast as they can? But back in Walt's era, uh, Walt was the one that stuck out like the very very visible uh, sore thumb to everybody. It's it, it, it's such an interesting uh, phenomenon. Yeah. That's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, he was just, you know, he was one of those rare geniuses that just, it seems, that just doesn't come our way that often. And the funny thing is, on a daily basis, just being around him, riding in the car with him, sometimes I drive, sometimes, you know, I had somebody else to drive and riding in the airplane with him. Uh, It was so mundanely normal day with him mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of weird kind of weird uh, to say it that way but that's what it was it's almost like i'm in the presence of a flying genius but it seemed like so ordinary to me because we were all doing it <laughs> yeah uh, but that's also yeah. nice in a way too i think everyone has that that story with whether it's a loved one or someone they respect where they, they share that moment that is like completely mundane, but at the same time, that's one of the memories that sticks out the most is sometimes when, when you're in that situation, it doesn't, you don't to, for someone to leave a mark on you, it doesn't have to be this big life changing event. Sometimes it can be the, the silence that you share that ends up standing out more than, than, a hundred conversations about random stuff that obviously doesn't matter uh, in the long run. So, yeah, it leaves you with uh, thoughts today. Uh, you know, as I, you know, I answer the questions that you have and answer questions everybody's got, and I do a little bus tour. I sometimes think, my God, Bob, did we actually do that? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> because in retrospect, we see the value and the shock of what we were doing. But at the time, we were just doing the stuff that seemed pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And since we're talking about Walt, um, Stevie asked, what's your favorite memory of Walt Disney? Oh, I get that all the time. There, there, there isn't, there isn't any favorites because it, it was just every, every, every time you were around him, there was just this aura of oh, oh, look at all of this, and it's mundane, but it's like you know what we're doing. Um, 
and I, I, I can't really pick any single thing out. It was 12 years of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just imagine it's just, it, there's just experiences and emotions and, and then some of it was just day-to-day work too so yeah uh i've got one that i want to know you you brought up lon cheney jr earlier and i am a huge universal classic monsters fan so as soon as you said that um uh, i i wish i could have switched places with you back then but spencer wanted to know have you ever met any celebrity that had you starstruck well, here, well, here, here's a here's a weird one. Uh, I'm not I'm not quite sure why I have um, uh, approached people or had opinions of people. Um, I I don't ever recall being the kind that would be super excited over a hero or would uh, just die to meet somebody or would gush in their presence. I just don't ever recall uh, responding to, let's say, people of uh, incredibly great uh, fame. Um, to me, they were just, well, it's a human. Uh, you know, they probably achieved more than somebody else. But, uh, yeah, so so they did. And just have a normal conversation with them. You know, you meet somebody that Walt introduces you to, like like a Richard Nixon. Well, the guy, before he became a crook, of course, you know, he's he's the <laughs> vice president of the United States. So, in other words, his, his place amongst, uh, you know, almost 300 million people uh, is a pretty good piece of stature. But to me, it was just another guy to talk to, to uh, explain about monorail. Um, I would have people that I've uh, met over the years of, of, of all kinds of great stature. And would have an ordinary conversation. Uh, the most re- recent one, say, is a couple of years ago, uh, you know, at the Disney Legends ceremony and the lunch. Um, I was t- I was talking to uh, Hoopy Goldberg, and my thought with Hoopy Goldberg was, you know, you were you were a smart lady. You didn't let people try to overtrain you to be an actress. You just you just backed off and said, well, you're comfortable in your own skin and you like to do stuff your own way. And look how it paid off. You know, and her eyes absolutely lit up that, that I recognize that little little feature about her. But it was an ordinary uh, conversation. Um I talked to another lady. I'm, she's so famous, I can't even remember her name now. But uh, I was very aware uh, that, yes, she's got fame, but she has a business, and she has created so many businesses for people that uh, have really helped people all around the world. And, uh, you know, and I got into a conversation uh, about that. No gushing, no nothing, just or- ordinary uh, conversation. Uh, I had a conversation several years ago with Ron Miller. Of course, he used to be the president of the company, and, you know, he married Diane. And I was sitting up there in his patio, and we were having some wine and some hors d'oeuvres and stuff, and we were just kicking around stories about a lot of stuff. And he was just he was just my fa- my friend Ron sitting up there in the patio. There, there no gush, no nothing. I'd met famous pilots. I'd met famous uh, race drivers, all kinds of people, famous architects. We just have a good conversation. Yeah, well, that's 
I, I've I've never learned how to uh, be awestruck or gush. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's I. It's you know it's we're we're not on the same level as you, but uh, you know Michael and I and all of our our coworkers with the Diz, we 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 do get people coming up to us in the parks and and just random places. I mean, it happens to me when I'm shopping in target or, or mm-hmm. the grocery store here, I get someone walking up to me and it's, they, they do put you on a pedestal for a second. And it's, I, my immediate effort is trying to say like, no, I'm clearly, I'm just at the grocery store. I'm just shopping just like you are. I'm not important. I just the, a lot of people uh, get to hear me every now and then, but I'm, I'm just normal. And so I get that. And every, every, it doesn't happen with me often, but usually it's every once in a while, someone will just click with me where I'm like, I can't believe I just talked to them. I mean, the first time we, we had you on our show, it was, I, that wasn't, it wasn't even the first time I met you. I had met you one random time in the Grand Californian and, but it's just every now and then you just, for, for me, at least it's for the most part, I try to keep the same mindset as, as you do that it's, it's more about the, the interaction you have with the person, not necessarily what they do and why to get excited because of what they do. But every now and then it's just, for me, it's, there's one person that kind of like makes me step back and like, Whoa, I, I can't believe I just had that interaction. So, um, but you, you well, were doing um, it the right way. I can say that it's, it's because, you know, that's, that's how everyone I think wants to be treated. It's well, while they do important well, things, uh, they're just people. Yeah, well, the most recent example I here was, I guess, about a year ago. I was I was at a having a dinner on a sidewalk with uh, Kurt Russell and uh, <laughs> and his uh, sister and a couple of their friends, and and when we got uh, finished talking and everything, and they said, "Well, let's go to Bob's house. Bob's house. Do you want to come to my house and talk about airplanes?" You know, so he's in my kitchen, and we're telling air, airplane stories. Uh, as if it's not even Kurt Russell. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> you know, and he, well, you know, because he came in another car, and then we were with some other people, and they said, "Well, take him up." Uh, but Kurt says, "Well, we'll get in my car. Show me where you live. I'll take I'll take you home." And then we got up there, and everybody else caught up with us. You know, and we had another hour of just uh, talking airplanes because <laughs> he's he's a pilot. He's been a pilot all his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Yvette, as we're into the personal questions category now, Yvette, she probably remembers when you were on the Diz Cruise and and you rode the bike around Castaway Key. She wants to know if you still roller skate. I've never roller skated in my life. After I, in <laughs> high school, I, I tried roller skating at the Hollywood Roller Rink and I uh, crashed and I broke down a wooden barrier and I turned the shoes back in and never tried it again. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know where she got that question. She's probably thinking I like to ride mountain bikes. That's what I was thinking, too, because you rode your bike, yeah, like I said, on the Diz Cruise. So, so do you still ride? Do you... Well, yes. Well, uh, I told you, I'm in my motorhome today. I'm at this beautiful park and a beautiful lake, and we've just got a beautiful sunset, and the ducks are walking around come up out of the water they come up and look at me here and i went out for a 12 mile uh bike ride today on all the trails here 
Excellent. It, it's what I do. It's what I do. I still ride my bike, and I'm 87. That's the dream. <laughs> that is. Okay. Um, I, I, if you have any final questions, Michael, I've, I'm, well, I'm about tapped out. Okay, I have one because you talked about it on our last show that you were on, and then I saw this at the D23 Expo. Aline, basically she'd like an update on the Field Mice artwork that you told us about. or I think it was more of a pack rat artwork that was going on. Oh, oh yes, that was my dear little ratty. That was... Uh... 2016 into uh, 2017. Uh, yeah, the poor little guy got old in the spring of 2018, and he passed away by uh, July last year. Um, it was the most unusual experience in the animal world I've ever had. I've, I have copious records and photographs of everything that uh, that, that little, little character did. Uh, I've tried to study everything I can about... Um, how animals communicate with humans, but nobody ever believes it with a, with a mere rat. But um, yeah, it's a type of rat. It's it's called the um, uh, the Western uh, uh, large eared wood rat. <clears throat> it was a, a, such an unusual animal. Um, and as Tony Anselmo pointed out when he came over and saw the artwork and saw how he behaved, that uh, he said, you know, this this little guy does want to be your friend even though he comes from a world that uh, everyone knows uh, uh, rats are no good. They do a lot of damage. They, you know, they chew on things, they eat things, ruin things. Uh, but this guy was an artist. Mm-hmm. And it's uncanny uh, for about a year and a half to watch watch his work and document it and document all his behaviors. <laughs> the, other, the other rats that uh, still populated my garage up until... Up until recently, had no um, no such characteristics, whatever. But I'm I'm assuming he was in the same family. They were all uh, uh, larger wood rats. Uh, I finally, uh, due to some damage they've been doing, I finally uh, have um, I have removed the last five living ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall I just simply say? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, they had done some damage to my motor home. They uh, they there's certain kind of plastics in cars that they love, and um, I saw them. Uh, one there was there was no one him was another one here in the last few months, eating some tubing out of my air conditioning system. And when I uh, drove to the park today uh, for my little vacation, the, uh, the air conditioning and the vent system doesn't work. So. Um, I went on the internet with my smartphone and found out uh, what was wrong, and I checked the car, and sure enough, that's where the failure is. A little vacuum line that they like to eat them because the plastic tastes good. So, in any event, uh, I've been keeping uh, rat poison uh, in the engine compartment uh, to make sure they don't come back, and the rest of them, I uh, was able to introduce them to the latest technology and rat traps that are baited with peanut butter. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, at least anybody you have, have a you rat have... problem. Rat... Yeah, anybody has a rat problem, get the latest Vicker rat trap. Doesn't cost very much. It's a uh, super design, super safe for your fingers, and you put a little dab of peanut butter in it, and there isn't a rat that will won't won't walk by without sampling the peanut butter. 
<laughs> All right. Well, at least you have mementos from Ratty, so that's good. I remember I was very impressed with this artwork. Yes, the uh, the art, yeah, that I've got. I just, I'm still, I'm still thinking about that little animal. He was such, such an unusual little friend. Well, you know, Walt, uh, um, Walt, I say, Bob, some of us will be joining you on May 19th at the Waltland bus tour. And of course, we have a special disc. Yeah, we have a special discount code. Um, when folks, when you go to waltland.com, if you enter unplugged or lowercase, you get a discount. And it also applies to a swinging wake celebrating 50 years of the Haunted Mansion on Saturday, September 28th. This so, is going to be a fantastic party. In fact, it's a, it's a shame that Disney uh, Disneyland didn't uh, jump up and create a party as good as this one. But my uh, my business manager uh, Ernie Alonzo is putting together the absolute party of the year for the fiftieth for Universal. Uh, the the pins are the most gorgeous pins. I just picked up my uh, first one on Sunday, and they're selling like mad. I saw them on Facebook. Yeah, they're beautiful. I really like them. So, so what? What now? What can you for folks who have never been on the um, bus tour? What can you can you sort of give us a little sneak preview of what we can expect? It, it's very very simple. Disney, the company, and all its products and all its hundreds of companies worldwide has a lot of fans. Theme parks have a specific group of fans. And then that group of fans, a lot of people are specific Disneyland-only fans. And within that group, there are people that are specific Walt Disney himself fans. Uh, The bus tour is for those fans who would like to actually spend five hours and visit the physical locales around um, Burbank and Glendale and Silver Lake, where Walt Walt is brother actually uh, built their first two homes where was the first Hyperion studios where was the merry ground where walt took his daughters where he first thought up the idea of disneyland walt's barn the grand central uh creative campus the disney studio and a bunch of other stops uh that uh, that we do so where we focus strictly on walt and his family not all the other aspects of uh, a Disney interest, but just specifically Walt and get out of the vehicle and walk and look and see the the actual locations. Um, and and I tell them personal stories from my 12 years uh, with Walt. Uh, and at the same time, in that same area is where I grew up and I have a parallel life in the same venues in the same years as Walt and his daughters. So it's uh, it's it's kind of an interesting thing that there's two lives we talk about, and they were in parallel, but at different times, but I didn't know about that until much later. Well, I, I'm really excited about this. Now, now, I hope you'll be wearing your Connecting with Walt shirt, because I've been telling everybody to wear theirs, and, and we're hoping we can get a group photo with you. On that day, we well we do group we do group photos at Walt's barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my official photographer is always there, so we do uh, that group photo, which gets uh, posted on uh, the YouTube. And then uh, there's uh, another spot that we do a a, a photo uh, spot uh, with the bus, 
at um, at a certain location, and that's uh, posted uh, uh, immediately on the, the internet site. So uh, we have quite a collection of uh, our tour groups, uh, quite a, a photo library. We're in our fourth year now with the tour. Excellent. Now your new book that we talked about is going to be debuting on May nineteenth at Walt's Barn. So uh, can you tell our list? You know, you know, we talked a little about it, but. Are we going to be able to purchase an autographed copy on May nineteenth during the tour? Yes, the uh, yes. Right now, the uh, the book uh, I have five uh, proof copies. In fact, I brought one with me on the motorhome today to verify a hundred percent of every last little detail. Uh, I've been working it with uh, Amazon uh, KDP, which is uh, Kindle uh, Direct Print which is the slickest, easiest way to ever do any kind of a publication. Um, I finalized the book uh, last Thursday. They printed it on, printed five of them on Friday, and I had them on Sunday. So I finished my additional proof work. Uh, I had a request from Chris Nichols, who wrote that beautiful uh, Walt Disney Disneyland book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's a terrific writer. He, he asked me yesterday, he says, would you wait one more week? I want to do a copy edit. I want to make sure everything you talk about, Walt, is exactly 100%. So I said, sure, Chris, go ahead and do it. So he's got my manuscript, and he'll uh, he'll finish it up Sunday night. So Monday morning, I will uh, uh, do a, a recheck on everything. And uh, when that's done, it goes back to, um, goes back to uh, Amazon. And two days later, it'll be on the uh, internet. The books will be for sale. Okay, great. But we can, so should we buy? Oh, yes. Well, there, there's two ways. Uh, I can buy them from uh, Amazon. And uh, when I buy them, then I can take them for book signings. We're uh, uh, Ernie Alonzo with his fandom productions. We have uh, quite a few book signings scattered out through the rest of the year. Some one of them's going to be in Canada. We're going to have one of them in Walt Disney World. We got a number of them locally here, and we also will have. Um, it's very top secret because uh, it may or may not happen. We have the most incredible book launch VIP invitational party that will blow people's minds if it actually comes to pass. I can't say anything more than that right now. But uh, you're right. On the 19th, uh, the uh, Walt Disney's uh, barn, they've um, they've they've placed a big order, and I will have uh, them delivered there. Excellent. So that then all of those, I promise to have them all. I'll autograph them all. So anybody goes to the barn on May 19th at um, Walt Disney Barn, um, uh, they will be autographed. <laughs> Terrific. Um, okay. Yeah, well, we're negotiating with the Walt Disney Family Museum. They will carry them, of course. But Amazon's by far the easiest. That way, everybody's got a chance anywhere in the world. And it's uh, twenty-one ninety-five, hundred eighty-four pages. It's uh, eight and a half by eleven, uh, glossy uh, finish uh, uh, paperback. So it's a, uh, and the print is really big. It's 16-point uh, print out of the Century School book, which is uh, uh, all the people that study uh, books. That's the easiest one for people of all ages uh, to, to read. Uh, no photographs inside because all the photographs have been used up. They were already on the, the DVD and already in the original uh, 
designed just for for fun book. So this is a book of stories people have never heard or never thought of. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So um, now, are there any other projects you're working on that you'd like to share? Uh, we got we always got things in the fire. There's uh, you know working with my manager. He's sort of the guy that. Uh, he either thinks up something or he has people approach and say, say, would you ever figure that Mr. Guru would be interested in? And then, so those conversations get started. And, of course, uh, they, they go on without my knowledge. And, and then if Ernie phones up and says, say, uh, is, your, is this date open on your calendar? And I'll say yes or no. And then I might not hear anything or I might hear something. And that means... Sometimes people get serious and they got an idea for a great event, and then uh, I could participate with them, and away we go. Excellent. So it's sort of, um, it's sort of, um, yes. I, I used to always plan everything I did, but I kind of like laying back and see what everybody else is planning, <laughs> and I can I can say uh, yes or no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. And I know that um, folks can follow you like on Facebook and find out what you're up to and what events you have coming up. Oh, you know, I don't even look at social media anymore because uh, I'm plastered all over the thing and I just can't stand reading about it anymore. So I, <laughs> I don't really have anything to do with it, but I, but I know it's, I know it's always out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I, when I counted a hundred, a hundred videos on YouTube, I said, I'm not even going to look again. <laughs> okay. Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining us to celebrate our 100th episode of Connecting with Walt. I, I can't think of a better way. Yeah, this is a terrific one for the 100th. You've got uh, you got a one hour and 55 minutes here of uh, good yakking. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I know we're all looking forward to seeing you on May 19th on the Waltland bus tour. I will look forward to that. We're going to have a pretty full bus. It's a, in fact, uh, last Sunday, it was Easter Sunday, uh, we had over 35 people, and I didn't think that many would show up on a Sunday. But apparently a lot of people didn't go to an Easter sunrise. They decided to go on a bus ride instead. Oh, maybe they went to Easter Vigil <laughs> the night before. Uh, or maybe they went to Easter Sunrise because we don't start till 10. Oh, that's true. <laughs> maybe they did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Bob. We'll look forward to the next time you're on Connecting with Walt. Okay, fellas, my pleasure. Well, that was a great three-episode celebration with Bob, and it is going to be hard to top that. Well, you know, Craig, I received a message from Tim in Tennessee saying how much he enjoyed the Disney connection that Bob talked about in our previous episode with the F-117A stealth fighter. Mm -hmm. Because during the Gulf War, Tim was assigned to the 37th Tactical Fighter Wing, which was the home of the F-117A. And he said that's where the fighter really proved its worth. Mm. So, so. He was really happy to see that that plane had a Disney connection. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so Tim, thank you for letting us know, and thank you for your service. Now it's time to continue our celebration with This Week in Disney History for the week of May 26th. (laughs) 
Okay, Craig. So let's see how you do with this week, such as you'll be um, all over Galaxy's Edge. I, I have a lot of theme park-related questions for you here. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> All right, May 26th, Epcot Spaceship Earth reopened with a new narration on May 26th, 1986. Who was the narrator? Uh, thank goodness we just did the episodes on mm-hmm. <laughs> Spaceship Earth. I would have got this anyways, though. Uh, that's that's Walter Cronkite in 86. Abs- absolutely. This is the second version of Spaceship Earth, feature, and it features the narration of legendary newsman Walter Cronkite. And, of course, if you recall from our previous episodes, there is a new finale song titled Tomorrow's Child and a new sponsor, AT&T, for this version. Good. Okay. May 27th, a Magic Kingdom counter service restaurant on Main Street, USA, specializing in hot dogs, french fries, and other refreshments, is renamed Casey's Corner on May 27, 1995. What was its original name? Oh, um... You know what? I, I obvious, I, not obviously to you guys, but uh, I, I traveled at, at certain points in time before 95, but I was a very young kid. I... I have only known it as Casey's, so I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure. Yeah. It was the Coca-Cola Refreshment Center, or Corner, I should say. The Coca-Cola Refreshment oh. Corner. So very so similar it, to Disneyland, then. Right, Coke Corner. Yeah. yeah. It was. It's, for some reason, it was more formal at, um, at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Probably because you served better food at it. Yeah. I, I mean, I like, I like the change to Casey's Corner and having Casey's at the bat involved with it. So uh, I, I guess I'm glad for the change, but I mean, it would have been a nice little connection between between both coasts if it would have stayed the same. Yeah, yeah, it would have. But I, I do like the theming, you know, Casey's Corner and, and, you know, the hearkening back to that short KC at bat. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan, so yeah. just of the sport in general. I, mm-hmm. it, it truly is America's pastime. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, okay, May 28th, the Art of Animation exhibit opened in Disneyland's Tomorrowland on May 28th, 1960. This retail store adjacent to Art Corner sold postcards, flipbooks, artist prints, art supplies, animation kits, and original hand-painted animation cells. The exhibit contained artwork and other items drawn from an international traveling display that had promoted the release of Sleeping Beauty. But the question is, what e-ticket attraction opened at Disneyland on the same day? I have no idea. (laughs) This is one of my favorites that I'm always talking about. The Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland opened Hmm. in Frontierland on the same day. The Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland is an improved version of the Rainbow Caverns Mind Train, which first opened in 1956. 
Um, this attraction covers a large portion of Frontierland, part of which is now known as will be known as Galaxy's Edge, and features over 200 audio animatronic animals, plus themes and scenery from Walt Disney's popular True Life adventure films. On this day, Walt christened the new sections with some help from his grandchildren, Tammy, Joanna, and Chris Miller. I've met them all. <laughs> okay, on May 29th, 1957, the Disneyland television series airs The Liberty Story. It is essentially a promotional film for which upcoming Walt Disney Studio theatrical release? This is one of your favorite films that we've talked about. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I don't know why I'm blanking on it then. Um, Think of the Liberty oh, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Tremaine. Absolutely. That is it. Johnny Tremaine. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know why it wasn't coming to me. But no, I do love Johnny Tremaine. So. Yeah, and and a few years later, he, on the same date, he he that he has that he has the one promoting Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. He and he would win Emmys for these, and it basically one long commercial. But they were so wonderfully done because he would have a story within the story. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I talk about it every time. I I I don't always watch. I try to watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People every single year around St. Patrick's Day. Every now and then it doesn't happen, but I always watch I Captured the King of the Leprechauns. Yes, I do too, because it's such a delightful little story. Well, it's you know? that, and it's because I do not own Darby O'Gill and the Little People at all, but I do have the walt disney treasures uh i think it's on the the disneyland i, I can't remember which one but it's like a, a, a hidden uh special on one of the oh, walt really? disney treasure sets so, huh. uh, so i always have access to that one <laughs> yeah. that's a, just such a wonderful film yeah Okay, for May 30th, on Memorial Day, May 30th, 1966, Disneyland throws a grand opening celebration for its newest attraction. What is the name of the attraction? Mm, it's a 66. I know that it's, it's one of the world uh, World's Fair attractions. Um, so basically, I have a one in four guess essentially um <laughs> I'll, I'll go with small world and you would be correct it was I, inaugurated on may 28th and as you said it's originally built for the 1964-65 new york world's fair and this attraction honors all children of the world and of course it features one of my favorite theme park songs it's a small world after all by richard and robert sherman you know what I bought? I, I didn't really buy. I only bought one thing really for myself at Disneyland uh, this past week. They had It's a Small World socks. Oh, fun. And I, I bought those. Then everything else I bought was were gifts. Oh, I, I bought a couple of um, Pixar autograph pens because mm. I have them. I still put them by the anywhere by a telephone because um, 
when we when the children lived at home, we couldn't find a pen in his house. <laughs> so I started buying those big giant autograph pens because they wouldn't steal those. Hey. Because you know they weren't going to throw those in their backpacks to take to school. And so Carol and I just kept it up. So every time we'd go to to a Disney park, we'd buy like four autograph pens in whatever th- style there was. So this time I bought two um, the ones with the little Pixar ball. Yeah, the that's smart. Of the, <laughs> all that. So yeah, I still have them. So okay. So so yeah. So for all you parents of children, middle schoolers and teenagers, and you can't find a pen in the house, do that. You'll have plenty of pens afterwards. <laughs> so. Okay, May 31st. The Walt Disney Studio held a wrap party at the Florida Animation Studio for its newly completed feature on May 31st, 1998. It will have its world premiere five days later. What is the name of the film? If it was 98, then that would be Milan. Very good. I am impressed that you know when all these films were released. So. I mean, but I, I know the Renaissance. Like, mm-hmm. I know those dates by uh, years by heart because mm-hmm. that was my childhood. So. Yeah, well, you know, and even, well, yeah, I guess that's true. Because I guess I do know when the films from my childhood and then the historical ones were, yeah. the early ones were released. <clears throat> yeah, okay, I, can, June? I can give you the 90s ones and I can give you. Uh, everything since <clears throat> Tangled, and that's about no. it. Every everywhere, and then like the first five movies, obviously, uh, that Walt made. But other than that, uh, it's it's all over the place. Yeah, see, I I don't know the later ones. Yeah, uh, um, June first, the fourth version of Space Mountain opened on June first, nineteen ninety five. Where is it located? Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, okay, so we would have had first at Walt Disney World, then Disneyland, then I'm assuming Tokyo. So after that, it would be Paris? You are correct. Space Mountain from the Earth to the Moon opened at Disneyland Paris. It is the fourth Space Mountain, but it's the first to include sound. And, of course, the attraction is named after the classic Jules Verne story. So yes, and you'll get to ride it. Very, I very know. Soon. I am so excited. So, and, and that completes my bucket list. I've been to all the Disney theme parks yeah, around but- the world. I mean, I don't know if you care. It will be it will be hyperspace mountain, but I feel like it's it's still special and fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I would have preferred the original. <laughs> but anyway, great job this week, Craig. Not too bad. Not too good. Not too bad. I'll take it. No, I think <laughs> you did fine. Well, many regard the upcoming Memorial Day weekend as the unofficial start to the summer season and all that it offers. But let's not forget that Memorial Day is when we remember and honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice in service to our nation. Walt Disney once said, 
Tomorrow will be better as long as America keeps alive the ideals of freedom and a better life. Those we honor on Memorial Day gave their lives to preserve these ideals for all generations. At 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day Monday, we encourage you to take part in the National Moment of Remembrance and pause for a minute of silence to remember and honor those who have died in service to our nation. And we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. And all of us at Connecting with Walt wish you a happy Memorial Day weekend and offer our sincerest gratitude and prayers to the family of our families of our fallen heroes. So, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, uh, you can find me on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, the Disneyland Edition podcast, the Universal Edition podcast, the best and worst of Walt Disney World, but uh, that's just where you can see me if you want to interact with my life and engage with me, <laughs> as always, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? Well, you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. On Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling, the one with the Connecting with Walt banner is the best one. Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. And of course, you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt. And keep an eye out for all of Craig's coverage of Disneyland's opening of Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy Edge, whatever it's called. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disneyunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. <laughs>